After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, yeah. And then... Go. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm John Manuel, along with my producer here and co-host J.J. Cooper and Hudson Belinsky here at Baseball America and BaseballAmerica.com. We're live on Facebook, podcasting. We're talking a lot of college baseball and draft. It's opening day for college baseball. Our Michael and Anna's under the weather, but uh, he will be at a game anyway with Hudson today over in Chapel Hill watching first-team preseason All-American J.B. Bukowskis. We've got our college beat writer Ted Cahill down in Myrtle Beach to watch the defending national champions, Coastal Carolina, open up their season. So we're not going to talk a ton of horse race today, though. We are going to talk amateur baseball for this podcast and this Facebook Live and talk about the 2017 draft and some of the players that we're most excited to see this year. So it's going to be a lot of top of the draft talk. We'll take your questions, of course, here on Facebook, uh, but we're not going to probably take a lot of questions about uh, the local high school kid you think who might have a chance to go four to six. Sorry. This is, this is a top of the, top of the draft talk uh, for this year. And guys, uh, we could always start by talking about the, the, the strength of the class, weaknesses. I don't want to get into that. That stuff to me is a little tired. Uh, we'll talk about that when the guys get going a little bit more. Hudson, let's just go start at the top with what we're seeing today. You guys are both going to go to Chapel Hill and see J.B. Bukowskis against Kentucky. There are other players involved, but J.B.'s at the top of this. And one of the things that gets talked about the most, I think, Hudson, at the top of the draft is the last two years have been very weak college pitching draft classes. This year's looks strong. And one of the reasons for that is you have a variety of types of pitchers. J.B. Bukowskis falls into the probably has the best present stuff in the college class, but also is the of the first-team college pitchers, Bukowskis, Fido, Tanner Howe, Kyle Wright, Colton Hawk, he's probably right there with Colton Hawk of most likely to be a relief pitcher, right? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the, the question that's going to be answered with JB this spring. Whoever thinks he's a starter is probably the team that takes him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's, he, you, you mentioned the stuff. This guy's got... Arguably the best pure stuff of anyone in this class, high school or college. I think it's the best. I mean, I think it's uh, the most. He he is the one who most consistently has shown three pitches that are above average or better. And, I mean, and it's a plus slider. And you and I have talked about this a lot over the past six months or so. Him learning to trust his changeup is is kind of the key for him. And and just watching him last week because last year he would shake it off. And and last year when Corey Ray demolished his changeup, yeah. that, that's he's not throwing that anymore. It was not a pitch he threw with conviction. And now, I mean, it's kind of a slower arm changeup. It's not exactly fastball arm speed, but it plays. I mean, and it tumbles late, and it's it's got it's got big velo sepa- yeah. separation off a of fastball. You have a guy who's pitching 93, 96, touching some sevens and eights, and then 82, 84 with the changeup, and then he's got 
a slider that's going to take a late left turn. It's 84, 87. It's a power slider. It's what it's one it'll, of the best sliders I've ever seen. It's what you I mean. That's the thing is that we've been fortunate in this area, JJ. We had a hmm. premium top of the scale slider a couple of years ago that we got to see up close and personal for three years with Carlos Rodon. It was pretty I, good. I don't think that JB sliders as good as Rodon's. But it's it's a conversation that tells you that it's, it's a, that could be a future. I mean, if he does it consistently with a five days of rest, and it's like it is now, it's going to be a seven changeup. I mean, it's he's a slider. A slider. I mean, he's going to be throwing with like a six fastball, a seven slider, and if it's a six fastball that he's locating, I think it's going to be an, at least an average changeup. If not, you know, Dave Snow and other USA Baseball guys last summer said at times I was an above average to plus changeup, and that's what he flashed in high school. So this guy's. He's excited. There's a reason to be excited about right. what you might see today. Right. There's there's everything there to be a starter. Again, we're not we're not sure yet, but there it's it's unlikely to me that there's anything other than he's going to go out as a starter. We're not going to fully answer that question for three or four years because he's he's going to do enough. I would expect him to do enough this year that someone, as you said, a team's going to take him as a starter. And the only way he's going to end up in the bullpen long term is because at some point, guys sometimes do that. There, there, the other thing you have to remember about J.B. Bukowskis is how young he actually is. That's a big this, this guy's for me. 20 years old. He really should be a sophomore. He, he left high school early. I mean, this mm-hmm. a full year early. Not even a, a semester, year a full year early. early. So, you know, one of the concerns or, or I guess question marks on him is, is he going to be able to go do this for – seven, eight innings, and is he going to be that kind of starter? He hasn't quite proven that he's able to do that yet, but he's only 20 years old. And so if you look at some guys who are high school drafts who are in their first or second year of pro ball, they're not going seven, eight innings. Right. And so Nobody he, is almost anymore, well, JJ. That's, say, that's really, the other thing is it's come that, back to him in that, that way. That should be part of the discussion. And I, This will be actually a fascinating thing to follow the course of the spring, Hudson, and the next couple of years in the draft because J.J. does – you know, when you're a, if you're a major league organization, your area scouts are filling out their reports. That's not going to change. But when you're at the thirty thousand foot view and you're a scouting director, and you're questioning whether this guy's a starter or not, does the fact that what's a starter at the major league level is so different in 2017 than what it was in 1997 and what it was in 1977, does that change the way you evaluate a player like Bukowskis? I think it does. I think it has to. Or Hawk. I, 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 think, I, I absolutely think it does from the standpoint of we are now in a world where you have the true aces. And the true aces are the guys, partly they're defined by, they're the guy that you actually want to be out there in the seventh inning yeah. of a playoff game. You, the, and the true aces really are, to me, the guys who have true premium fastball command. Is there anybody who's a real true ace who doesn't, you know, like John Lester, like David Ross sets up outside corner and it's a an inch off the corner, and he, he nails it. He hits that gnat right in the ass. Is there any big league ace who doesn't have, like, at least six fastball command? I don't think that – I don't. those are the guys who go through a lineup that, I don't three think times, there is, and, and, and when you look at sort of what the foundation of command is, is athleticism, being able to repeat. And JB, I mean, it's a little bit of a longer arm action, but this guy's an athlete. It's a yeah. very, very fluid, balanced delivery – I mean, and he does have some projection that way. I mean, he hasn't, hasn't quite shown the, the fastball command that you're associating with that premium number one game one, game seven starter, but he's got the athleticism and the, the youth 
where you can think about him projecting a little bit and developing more command as he matures. The guy who's got the arm action for that future command is Kyle Wright of Vanderbilt, who actually opened last night. Played yeah, we had a soft open. We had a Sandy. soft open to the... Uh... <laughs> we did. Uh, a couple teams out west, uh, weather coming to Southern California. It sounds like it's going to be disastrous weather. So good luck to our viewers and uh, fans out in Southern California. Good luck this weekend. But uh, Kyle Wright got started. He's got the best and cleanest arm of all these guys. But Alex Faito... Tanner Houck. These guys are a little bit longer arm actions. Just Even Alex Lang's, I think, a little bit cleaner than those other guys and certainly has a great breaking ball. But there's a lot of different varieties of college pitchers. JJ, among these other guys, who are you looking well, forward me, to I'll following I was going to interject because I'm our question guy today. Okay, and so good. We actually have one along those lines. So I'll, I'll pitch it to you, both of you. Ben Fullenkamp asks, is a healthy Fajardo the odds-on favorite to go 1-1? I think he is because he's got a little bit longer track record, and a little bit better present stuff consistently to me, than Kyle Wright has shown. Kyle Wright hasn't gone out and done it. But I think if Kyle Wright has, if Kyle Wright and Alex Faito have the same season, Hudson, and they both have three quarters of the time, they pitch with close to their best stuff, I think Wright actually will go out higher because it's a cleaner arm, it's the more projectable body. And I, I guess the way that one guy put it to me is that he's confident that Kyle Wright will be better from age 22 to 27 than Alex Faito. He thinks Alex Faito might old. be better from age 27 on. Alex Faito is like a younger-bodied guy. But he's like, while he's cheap, Kyle Wright will be better. When they're after they sign a free agent contract, I might take my put my money on Faito from age 27 to 35. I think Faito is going to be really, really good. But I think it's going to take him a little while to find it because he's got uh, he's got a, he's got a little baby fat on him still. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to fail before he succeeds. Mm-hmm. According to this, the way this guy put it, and I really like the way this guy put it. Mm-hmm. And and you. The, the question is, is if healthy, right? And, and that's the question with all of these, these guys. Yes, but, Alex Reyes with, just drove that home to us this but, week. But with, with Feta, you have the minor knee things in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and, great and, point. And, and Both knees. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that in this day and age you can really set that aside. So it's, it's, it is a bigger if, if you're saying. It's on the resume. healthy. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's on there. Right, because, again, we, the last two years, and this is, this is less than that. This is less. The, the last two years, we've had a guy who coming a into the less. year a lot less. I'm not. I know where you're going, but it's yeah. okay. Go. But I'm saying, but we've had each of the last years. Fido's not in this situation, but we've had guys who you start the year they have injury issues and it basically derails them. I mean, that's just happened. I don't think that's going to be obviously going to be the case with Fido, but with any of these guys, we run. I mean, any of these guys, the reality of it is, is that Kristen Beck is right now missing. You know, going to miss time. All of these injuries, the injuries play a significant part in this of where the draft line up. And that's, the, I think that when we're talking about 1-1, one, one, uh, you kind of, you know. You want it you clean. Don't, you don't want somebody who's, who's got really anything, you know, you want the total package. You want the health, you want the performance track record, you want the tools. So You also want that guy's going to take a little bit of a haircut, and that might change this year because the bonus pool at one is so much lower than it was last year, and they're more scrunched together. So you wonder, like, this year, maybe this will be the first time that the number one overall pick actually gets the largest bonus in the draft. I think every other year under the current system, the number two pick has gotten the larger, the largest bonus. I guess actually in 2014, it was the third pick. It was Rodon mm-hmm. who got more than Kolick and, of course, Aiken didn't sign. So the number one one guy has never been the guy who's got the biggest signing bonus. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that was true with Swanson. I have to double-check that one. You know, what's, what's kind of interesting, too, is, like, we've also – for a while now, we haven't had a year where there's a 
clear this guy's the best player in the country and then there's everybody else. Yeah, it so hasn't you, happened you, for a while. So, I mean, are we going to see players do that this this spring? Hunter Green, mm-hmm. yeah. as we transition to the high school side, I think there's really two names on the high school side, and you can check out the, the issue with the high school All-Americans. Brought to you by Under Armour. <laughs> Brought to you by Under Armour. But there's really two guys on the high school side who I see as candidates for 1-1, and that's Hunter Green, right-handed pitcher slash shortstop, out of Southern California, and Royce Lewis, shortstop center fielder out of Southern California. These are the two two guys with power. I mean, I mean you look at Green. I mean, this, both those guys pretty much do whatever they want to do on a baseball field. I mean, yeah. they make it look really easy, and Green is trying to do something in a way that no one's ever done, be a high school right-handed pitcher who goes first overall, although I think he'd like to do both. or mm-hmm. he'd, I think you know, it's, you've talked about more. He's, a, he's an option as a hitter as well, maybe not at 1-1, but as a professional, he has certainly potential to be a position player. And then Royce Lewis, is he a center fielder? Is he a shortstop? Is he second base, third base? He says yes. that he can play wherever <laughs> he wants to. And I've, I've followed him for a long time, high school and college. You just don't see players put up numbers on the national team like Royce Lewis did. When you're playing peers of your age group and Royce Lewis, like, hit 500 and then like walked eight times like they, they didn't get him out in the Pan Am games last year I mean, this, and he died he's dynamic on the bases and in the field he this guy's been the, the best player in the Trinity League in Southern California for the last two years he's been the player of the year last player to do that is Austin Hedges who was a first rounder who really couldn't hit in high school yeah got three million dollars so, so yeah. I mean yeah so think about it this way we have a guy who's who's been playing third baseman. I mean, he played uh, third base in deference to Chase Strumpf, who was the shortstop, who's now a freshman at UCLA. And going to start at UCLA. Yeah, and so now we have this guy moving to shortstop, a position he hasn't played before. And the earlier reviews are that he has made improvement there. He's got the tools for shortstop. This guy's loose. This guy's got quick feet. He's got a plus arm. It all adds up. The other thing you have, though, he's just, he's a seven-runner. And he can play center field. And, he, and you go look on our site <laughs> really right now. It really does sound too good to be true. I mean, and he and, may and not and be the best guy. And it's easy six power, too. And and oh, he, got, he got votes for best pure hitter when we did the the All-American team and had the scouting directors vote for best tools. Well, so, I mean, this guy's the best player at NHSI as a sophomore. I was going to say the sophomore year. It was the sophomore yeah. year we saw him at the NHSI. I mean, like, he was skinny and he wasn't physical like he is now. I mean, his shoulders are a little bit wider. He's a little bit taller. But you're talking about nothing but sixes and sevens on the card. I mean, that's a special and, player. And he may, and I would argue right now, personally, and again, my opinion doesn't really matter that much, but personally, he's the second best high school guy on this list right now. He's number two on our list. He's yeah. number two on our list, but it... it again, because that's what I'm saying is this. There's, Green, there's, as there's good four as he months is. to go. You know? Right, no, no. And, it's, it's, and, and the way I've been putting it to, to fans who have been asking me about it is it's really going to be a matter of preference at 1-1 because... I mean, do you want that 100-mile-an-hour right-hander with a plus slider and above-average change-up and command? By the way, I did talk green? to a scout who had 102. So we now, we're now we've gotten, we have gotten at least one said, yeah, we got 102 for Hunter Green so far. I mean, like, we're talking about... And he about, does it easy. We're talking about 102 miles an hour like, like it's nothing. And it's and he's February. And 17, and it's February. And it's not, it's not flat 102. It's 102... F- I mean that thing's dancing. <laughs> and again, we said that the the complaint we had as far as Hunter Green on the summer showcase circuit as a pitcher was, you felt like every time you started to watch him, he was done. And yeah. that was because he went out there. I mean, and he just, mowed. just mowed 
almost every time out. Guys don't loft the ball against we, 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 guys was, can't guys can't get underneath the baseball. No celebrating, celebrating. You saw Hunter Green a lot this summer. What was the worst pitching outing you saw him throw? Uh, I mean, probably his second outing at the Tournament of Stars, which is, uh, I think, the third time in a row he was on short rest, and he, he wasn't expecting to pitch that day, um, and so he kind of didn't get to he didn't get to do his long toss, and he didn't get to do his his whole pregame it routine. Wasn't his routine. He usually starts the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he's he's got a lot of experience coming, coming out, out of the bullpen, but. I mean, so I mean, even then he was ninety two, ninety five, and with a good slider. So and he didn't get hit, he did not get torched that day. By the no, time. I mean the you know you have the high trajectory flies and the the bloop singles, but it's not like he was getting beaten up, you know. And then and that's and that's the low bar for him right the now. The high bar was just domination. I mean, and the thing is, offensively, so his pure hitting last summer. Wasn't where it needs to be for him to be the first overall pick as a shortstop. Right. And then I think he would acknowledge that. But, I mean, we're also talking about a guy with true plus-plus raw power. Not just hitting it out of the the, the yard. Hitting it out of the stadium at I mean, Wrigley Field. He yeah, we on, saw, we he saw 430-plus. He put on the display in Petco. I mean, mm-hmm. just at 8 in the morning or whatever, however early it seven was. 7-something. 7-something in the morning. I mean, like, yeah, it was local time for him, so... It wasn't as hard, maybe for him, as for some of the other participants there, but it was easy juice at seven in the morning on a Sunday. It was really easy juice. And he's, he's got the swing elements to hit for contact. The the things you're, I mean, you're also having a guy who's focused on both pitching and playing shortstop, and so you you can really really dream on when this guy puts one of those down, whether it's shortstop or or pitching. It's I mean, at this point, it's probably he's going to be a pitcher just because how advanced he is. But you can dream on him even more because he hasn't fully committed himself to either one yet. I would put it that way, like going back a few years, a better version. Casey Kelly was a legitimate pitcher, shortstop, as a high school guy. Could do, could have done either. But the reality of it is, is when you draft him, you know, like long term, the pitching is going to be ahead of. Gonna have to go back through the archives of the last twenty years. Frankie just Rodriguez, see, like, other guys who were, yeah. But I mean, like, gonna have to really dig on the the other guys who were legit two way guys. I mean, John Olerud was a legit mm-hmm. two way guy out of college. We have really that, that's another interesting aspect of this year's draft is Nick Brent. Prado and Brendan McKay. These two kind of like different versions of the same. Hagen Danner, uh, Joe Perez, Hagen Jordan Danner. Adele, Jordan, Jordan Adele. Adele. Jordan Adele's a guy we talk about as a big tools in center field and quick twitch, power bat with arguably the best raw speed in the class. Doesn't necessarily play that way on the base pass. He might be the number one like get off the bus guy in the draft. Like if you're just looking like body, like nothing. I mean Royce Lewis, Hunter Green, good looking ball players. Jordan Adele walks off the bus and just. I mean, he just looks the part. He's got the shoulders. He's got those skinny little legs. I mean, he just he just looks so and, twitchy. And massively I mean, improved and, over the summer. And the, and the thing is... Aptitude. Like, and, I, and I think it needs to be said that this guy is legitimate as a pitcher. Right. And, and was a pitcher early in his career and was not a uh, position player. So he's made that adjustment over the years. The hit tool is still going to be a question, though. And and that's... That's why he's behind those other guys. That's, that's why he's not the best player in the class is because you still have those hit tool questions that he's going to have to be answering, not just this spring, 
but throughout the first few years of his minor league career. But on the mound, this guy's 92-95 with one of the better breaking balls in the class. And you're talking about a, a hard 11-30-6 kind of snapper that's diving late and it's got low 80s velocity. That's different. That's not That's not normal. Hudson's passion for the prep class this year is... Oh, it's, it runs deep. It runs very deep. The funny deep. thing is, is, and I think your passion for the 18 class may uh, exceed this. Yeah, we had, uh, I think, three underclassmen make All-America teams. Uh, Bryce Durang, who is himself... Uh, <laughs> Pretty special player is a second team middle infielder. Uh, Jared Kellenick, who was a third team outfielder. Physical. Yeah. <laughs> Physical beast. Yeah. I, mean, I can't believe that guy. I, when I, when hashtag you, jacked. I did not realize until like a month ago that he was 2018. I thought I just assumed he was a 2017 class, and then we did the top 100, and we're going over. I was like, wait a minute, where is this guy? And I looked him up. That guy is an 18. I just, he looked, I he just looked really blew good my at TOS as one of the youngest guys there. Yeah, I mean, and oh, that's and, and by the way, Hunter Green, worth remembering. I mean, you were talking about young for the class. Hunter oh, Green. yeah. I mean, Hunter's going to turn 18 in August. So he's going to play He'll most be drafted of his first. as a 17-year-old. It's like Trout. Like Trout was drafted as a yeah. 17-year-old and turned 18 in August. It's an August 7th birthday for uh, Trout. Another, another one who's really young for this uh, first-team All-Americans is Mark Vientos, who's, uh, who's going to play shortstop for American Heritage, and we'll see him at NHSI next month. This guy is pretty interesting because I, I've had multiple guys say he's a poor man's Manny Machado. Because he doesn't quite have those shortstop actions like Manny Machado actually does have and, and could yeah, be I mean, a legit shortstop. Did, did, did it last year when J.J. Hardy got hurt. Yeah. Like I mean, 30 games. But this guy's got that hard contact ability, and he's extremely young for the class. Also going to be a 17-year-old draft. Just turned 17 in November, I believe. One thing I wanted to ask about those two-way guys is I, I do think sometimes people – it seems like you expect – more out of those guys. Oh, if he puts one down, he's going to get better. I don't know if that always happens. I think sometimes these players lose their athlete. Whereas, and, and like for, for Prado and McKay, they're not twitchy. They're baseball athletes. I just was texting with a scout the other day about Brendan McKay and seeing him. This and, and he says this guy looks ready to go from day one. These are two of the most decorated players as amateur baseball. That's what links them to me. Is they're both. First base and left-handers. I think Prado's clearly the bats ahead of the arm, right, Nick yeah. Prado. But it's more of like a Lyle Overbay-ish, like a, and it's hit over power. It's like Dominic Smith, it's Jake Bauer. Really, these guys we really talked about. Really good plate discipline and advanced, advanced pitch approach. recognition. He's very, very difficult to get out. And that's Brendan McKay. Brendan McKay on the college national team this summer was the best pure hitter. He wasn't the best position player prospect because he's not as athletic as Jaron Kendall, but pure hit. Brendan McKay's well ahead of anybody well, else in the class. It's that kind of athleticism that we're talking about. Because, like, Jordan Adele's a very different kind of right. athlete than right. Nick Prado. Nick Prado is this more coordinated body control, body always control. in control of what's happening on the field. It's not as much twitchy as much as it is. It's no, not, not twitchy, but... It's baseball athleticism. But co- well-coordinated athlete. It's a kind of, it's a kind of athleticism, I, I would think, if you're scouting, like in other sports, you're looking for, again, a quarterback who's not... Twitchy, but is always in control. Or if it's like in basketball, it'll be a post player, but who's graceful. Maybe not explosive, but is smooth. It's kind of like it's, it's, these guys are both smooth athletes. Mm-hmm. They're just not twitchy athletes. Well, the, the thing I kind of want to ask both of you guys is, is when we talk about the college bats in this class, Jaron Kendall is at the top of the list right now. This is, though, a class that when you talk to scouts, when you talk to scouting directors, they say it's, it's, that is very unsettled right now. That is, we don't know who the college bats. This is not a year where you come into the year and you've got these three or four guys at the top who pretty much 
have to play their way out of being the top guy. But that's Brendan McKay. He is in that. He's the next guy. Right. That's the thing is that he's the. It's a draft class, at least on the college side, without very many left-handed pitching options. He's the best left-handed mm-hmm. pitcher, and he's the best pure hitter in the class. It's very strange to have one guy be both of those. That's mm-hmm. so he could be a top ten pick as a hitter. He could be a top ten pick as a pitcher. That is very rare. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that but, happening. Yeah. I don't remember but that who, happening. Who all, so, so McKay. I mean, who do y'all do you think when it's all said and done, who ends up being the best college bats in this class? So I, I think the Kendall fits into that Andrew Benintendi, Dansby Swanson kind of class of college play, position Corey player, Ray. Nick Senzel kind of type. Where I mean, we kind of know what that's going to be like mm-hmm. this spring. I mean, you, you're talking a little bit undersized, very quick twitch. Very good performance track record going back to high school. Long track record. Mm-hmm. His area codes when he was in high school, he was just like knock people's socks off. Yeah, I mean, he. this isn't a guy who was unknown and went right. to college. Right. So you've got him. I think Paven Smith is another really interesting one towards the top of this class. Another Smith is uh, Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. uh, the shortstop at Maryland, who's I think going to surprise some people with his power potential this year. Uh, a really interesting shortstop actions, which you don't see a lot in this class. There are very few pure shortstops, high school or college, in this right. class, which is has been a strength in re, uh, some of these more recent drafts. That's why Kevin Smith was the first team All America choice. He had a really good cape. He has infield actions, middle of the diamond actions. The caveat is he's hit two sixty in two years of college, basically. So mm-hmm. if he if he has a big offensive year, if he hits three twenty with ten home runs. That guy's going to fly off the board. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and two that I'd like to mention from locally, Brian Miller, I think, is a really, really good player. And I think Second he's, team just, he's just starting to realize his potential. And just watching him preseason, it's a long through the zone, like bat staying in the zone forever. It's going to be a high contact guy. He's a plus to plus plus runner. And he's really good in center field. He checks a lot of boxes that teams want to see. That's why he's a second-team All-American. He cl- checks the analytics boxes. They've got a, you know, a lot of data from from the Cape Cod League. He ran a registered 6-6 in the Cape. He's at least a plus runner, probably, and it plays. Mm-hmm. He has a high-performance track record. He's hit for average in the Cape. He's hit for average in North Carolina. He hit for average in the Coastal Plain League. So he checks all these boxes that analytically inclined clubs like to see. He's got a very high floor and, again, I agree with you. Whereas locally, we have NC State with Brock Dethridge, who's a much more physical player, didn't make the All-America team, has power, but didn't play in the Cape. And you got raw eight run times on him. It doesn't play. It doesn't steal a ton of bases. Spent the summer working on his grandfather's farm in Alamance County. Didn't play in the Cape. So he's country strong. He's, he's, he's country a fine fast. player. He's a fine he's player. He's raw for a college guy. I'm, I, yeah, I wouldn't kind of consider him in that top group and I think Evan Mendoza is another one who's kind of a, a pick to click type for I me. love Evan Mendoza a very fluid swing you know originally went to NC State as a pitcher right was in their opening pitcher, day rotation only opening day rotation as a, as a freshman first weekend so the other two bats I like JJ Michael Gigliotti uh, Lipscomb had a great cape uh, good, really good good pitch. story uh, played famous in high school at least played on a famous high school baseball team at Archbishop McCarthy in South Florida so yes it's Lipscomb but he's performed against high-caliber talent in South Florida High School and in the Cape. Seven-runner, true seven-runner, center fielder, uh, checks a lot of those boxes for teams. But then my, my other cheese ball is Keston Hyura. I mean, we'll see what the if the elbow bounces back from this platelet-rich treatment. Um, he's playing this weekend. I think he's DHing. I don't think he's playing in the field anytime soon. 
I love the buggy whip and his swing. I love the, the the performance track record. Hit for power in high school. Love the state of California and home runs the high school senior. And he keeps on hitting in college. I, I don't know where he winds up. He probably winds up as a big league left fielder. Maybe he's from this new phylum of this bat first second baseman where nine second baseman hit 20 or more home runs in the big leagues. If you told me 10 years from now that Kesson Hyura wound up having a Brian Dozier type big league season or two where he, I'm not going to say 40 home runs, but who would have ever said 40 home runs for Brian Dozier for crying out right. loud? I think he hit eight in four years at, uh, uh, or eight his senior year at, uh, at Southern Miss. He's my guy where he winds up being an offense, uh, a really uh, offensive second baseman and a potential big league all-star. I, I like him. The thing that stands out to me about this, though, is, is that the two best college hitters, we're not talking about for this because probably, arguably, the two most impactful college hitters potentially are guys who aren't eligible for this year's draft class. Seth Beer, I mean, again, if he builds on what he did last year, is that fair to say? He was offensively the best offensive player in college baseball, arguably, last year. He was right there with McKay, right there with Zach Collins, right there with Kyle Lewis. You know, he was up there productivity-wise. And then He had a bad summer again. He's a... <laughs> He's not, he hasn't had he hasn't been good in July the last two years but yeah. but for Clemson who cares yeah, he's great and he's great from February to June yeah I mean I I don't know he I kind of really I'm not huge on him haven't thought of him as as being quite the top of the class uh, I, I mean he he's, he's going to have the best performance probably he lacks the baseball athleticism we're talking about he's got old man skills mm-hmm. I mean he's a Bill James right, thing but he's really good college hitter the right now thing, and I think he can be. You know, maybe he's a Ben Grieve type to use another player. Like Ben Grieve was great his first couple of years in the big leagues, and then he didn't have a long career. So maybe that's the kind of player he and, is. And the other one along those lines is is Luke and Baker this year not going to be the two way star. But I think his draft status took a big hit because I don't. I mean, he's like a bigger CJ Crone. He has to get to his power a lot. To yeah. be a first round pick yeah, next he, year, but he might though. Is the, is, he might. Is the thing he I mean, does have field to hit. The, the that one is like you don't want to get too caught up in like how these guys profile. Yes, because sometimes right. that can I hurt do. you. I sometimes do. that can hurt you when when it comes time to pick the big league roster and to fill out the lineup card. The guys who can hit are going to play. Those two guys hit. They have feel for hitting, and they get to their power. You're exactly that's like important. So, to remember. That, that, the thing is, they do have to consistently get to it, and they, they're going to have to continue to prove that they're going to consistently get to it. And and with with Paven Smith, the first baseman at Virginia, he has not consistently gotten to his power. No. He shows it. He shows raw power, but that power has not consistently played in games. And so that's that's sort of and that's what separates him from the from the Kendall class. Just comp him. He's a better pure hitter to the scouts I talked to than Matt Feist was, who went what fifteenth, sixteenth in last year's draft. He doesn't have Matt Feist's raw power, and he hasn't have Matt Feist's game power yet. And people had questions about Matt Feist's power. I think the pro scouts are a little—they're a little light on his right, but game power last year. But that's a question. And that was with Matt, Matt Feist's catcher, who then moved to first base. Right, but those guys who saw him in pro ball, like we talked about, yeah. two different uh, yeah. sets. You know, Matt Feist to me in pro ball is also playing like game one hundred for the first time ever. Well, we saw him pretty good yeah. for a college national yeah, team I mean, the year before. And last spring for Virginia, as far as the power goes. So, so what? It's, it's February seventeenth, right? So the guys who are playing right now and are going to be first round picks and are going to play through the dog days of August. I don't know. You kind of give them a pass a little bit. You, you can't he really. Perf- he did perform. You he can't just, really look at the what they are in August 
relative to their the year that you follow them for the draft. And the guys who do do it, like Nick Senzel, you're like, man, Nick Senzel's cool. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Senzel's get... really, really good. Yeah, It's not always true, though. You do get those glimpses that, huh, maybe this guy's not you know, what the amateurs, you know, the area scouts thought. But he was, performance-wise, he no, was. I'm not saying Thice's case. I'm, yeah. always, it always goes back to Mark Appel. It does. It does always go and, back and, to Mark and, Appel, and JJ. Thice is a great player to bring up because last year, I remember when he started to re- like. He was better than we realized initially, but when he started to really build up helium, my question for guys was like, well, where is he going to play? And then they're like, he's going to hit. Exactly. That's that, right. That's, and that's Luke and Baker, and that's Seth Beer to wrap that conversation. Great one, we have one more question I wanted to get to you guys. We talked about Royce Lewis earlier, but we didn't. the question is, can Royce Lewis stick in the dirt, or is he destined for the outfield? He can stick in the dirt. I, I, I don't know if that's... Uh, necessarily at shortstop, but third base, n- no question he could play third base. And, I mean, again, this is a guy, he's he's a multifunctional tool from the standpoint of you can put him at third base, but maybe you draft him. That He may play center field not because he can't play in the dirt, because the team that drafts him may say, this guy's like stud center fielder for us. Well, that's what ha- Also, the bat, again, we're, the bat. Sometimes players who need development time defensively don't get it because the bat's just too good, and that could be Royce Lewis. So if it sounds like we're jacked for the draft, we are jacked for the draft. This could be a really good This draft. guy's especially jacked for the draft. This guy's jacked for pretty much everything. Oh, I mean, man, we didn't even get World into baseball it. So classic. the high school lefties. Yeah. No, we didn't even get Ooh, to high school lefties. D.L. Hall. Oh, Hardy was nasty in his first scrimmage. <laughs> He's pitching on Saturday against Oscar Saratos in Georgia. South Georgia matchup. I love, South Georgia. I love the South Georgia pitching phylum. That's uh, a, a lot of people are, are doing that run of Florida State Friday, D.L. Hall, Oscar Sheridos on Saturday, and then Florida State again on Sunday. That's a good run. But we got to wrap this up because we got to get out to a game. Yeah, we yes, do. We yeah. have games to get to, other magazines to do, uh, websites to do. So plenty more coming up this year at Baseball America and BaseballAmerica.com and on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash BaseballAmericaMag. For JJ and for Hudson, I'm John. We'll see you next time. So long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.